Hello and welcome to mini episode 174 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And I have five spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from March the 13th, 2022. And story number one comes from Sylvie. I'd like to preface with a trigger warning that this story will mention suicide. I'd recommend listeners skip ahead if they do not want to hear about this experience. My mom died by suicide on December 31st, 2014. It was New Year's Eve. And obviously not knowing my mom was planning to take her own life that night, my dad and I decided to go down to the beach with our dog to watch the last sunset of the year. My mom and dad were separated by that point and my mom was suffering from major substance abuse issues and mental illness. So I was spending the majority of the time with my dad while family members and loved ones were trying to get her the help that she needed. However, I knew how much my mom had been struggling and she was barely recognisable by the time she took her own life. Her light had gone out. The past few years of living with a mom with mental health and substance abuse issues had obviously taken a huge toll on me. I was in middle school when her problems started becoming severe and had just turned 16 the night that she died. I was a sophomore in high school. Naturally, I'd been ridden with lots of anxiety and depression myself as my mother was going through all of this. What I remember so distinctly about the night she died was that while my dad, dog and I were on the beach, I felt an utter sense of peace and calm. It was a sensation I hadn't had in years. And honestly, I don't know that I've had it since. But everything as the sun was setting felt so tranquil and calm, and not just due to the fact that it was a gorgeous clear winter evening. There wasn't a cloud in sight. Mind you, we live in Seattle, so in the winter the sun sets early, right around 4pm. This sensation came over me right as the sun was setting, and later I learned that was around the time my mom took her own life. I do believe my mom's last bit of love and warmth washed over me as I sat on that beach that cold evening, still unbeknown to me that she was gone. I just felt completely at peace and couldn't figure out why. I think it was her way of saying goodbye to me. Learning the news of her passing was obviously the most unfathomable, gut-wrenching, earth-shattering news of my life. Talking about all the emotions I went through in the immediate aftermath is hard to talk about and would take a lot of time to explain, so I'll fast forward to the spooky part. After she died, and after being certain that the inexplicable serenity I felt that night was her way of saying farewell, I started seeing bunnies everywhere. In January, I would see them skitter across the road in front of me as I was driving, or as I was taking my dog out for walks. I felt like I would just randomly look up, and a bunny would be right there in front of me. The significance of the rabbit in regards to my mom is that she was born in the year of the rabbit. Additionally, when I was five, she gifted me a small stuffed bunny for Christmas, which I named Tofu Bunny. Tofu Bunny is still in great condition and always makes me think of my mom, and I'm not particularly sure why. I've never been one to hold on to stuffed animals or blankets besides Tofu Bunny. I never even played with it that much or snuggled with it. It has just always lived on a shelf somewhere in my room. Tofu Bunny feels less like a toy and more like an emblem of my mom that is always watching over me. I know you talked about in one of your episodes how when you receive signs or omens from the dead, it ultimately doesn't matter whether it's real or not. 
Who knows if all my bunny sightings immediately after my mom's death were pure coincidence or not. All I knew was that I felt it was her way of checking in on me and saying hello. She still sends me bunnies, quite often actually. It's especially in moments of great distress or uncertainty when I'm completely spiralling or stuck inside my own head that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, pops a bunny. And usually good news comes very soon after. One night in college during a bad Covid spike, I went for a long drive, feeling very frustrated and down. I drove for some while and then pulled off at a lookout to admire a view. As I was sitting in my car on the verge of tears, out of the bushes, right in front of me, popped a bunny. An hour later, I received an email that I'd gotten my dream internship. Just a few weeks ago, I was on a walk, feeling nervous about my finances and making enough at my job to make the rent when suddenly there emerged a bunny. The next day I got a raise. I do think my mom sends me bunnies as a harbinger that good things are on their way and that she's looking out for me. The other encounter I've had with my mom from the other side was with a chandelier in the house we lived in when she died. Above the dining table, there was a small chandelier that had no issues up until she died. When we cremated her, we put her ashes in an urn in a cabinet in the dining room. I would often sit at the dining room table to do homework, even though I had a desk in my room. I think I did this subconsciously, maybe as a way to feel like she was in the room with me. Once we put the ashes there, the chandelier started to constantly flicker. It drove me insane as I was trying to do homework. It went on for several weeks until I brought it up to my dad. I said... Dad, can you take a look at the light bulbs in the dining room chandelier? They are always flickering. My dad looked at me and said, Really? I've never seen them flicker, but okay, I'll take a look. I shrugged it off at that moment, that my dad hadn't seen them flicker before. My dad replaced all four light bulbs that day, and I thought the problem would go away. It didn't. The bulbs would still constantly flicker any time I was in there. I went to my dad again about it. Still, he had never seen them flicker. Every time I tried to show him, they would always be perfectly lit whenever he was in the room. I came to realise it was only when I was alone that I would see the lights flicker. I asked him to check the circuits. He asked the landlord to take a look and he said there was no issues. I felt like I was going a bit insane. Eventually, for some reason, we moved the ashes to a cupboard in another room. The flickering stopped after that. I couldn't help but think she was trying to communicate with me through the lights while I was alone with her ashes just a few feet away from me. Lastly, I've always had a small sixth sense. I don't like to talk about it much or laud the strange and often unexplainable abilities I sometimes possess. For example, I could tell when women were pregnant before they had told me or before they were showing. My nanny, when I was a child, had just found out she was pregnant but hadn't told anyone yet. One day when she was babysitting me, I started randomly talking to her stomach in a gibberish tongue. I then looked at her dead in the eye and said, There's a baby in there. I remember the encounter as a six-year-old and didn't think anything that I was doing at the time was extremely creepy and weird as it was to my nanny. Her eyes went as wide as saucers and lo and behold, she birthed my godsister seven months later. I also had reoccurring dreams about my mom's death when I was a child. 
I would often have extremely realistic dreams that we were moving out of our house because my mom had just died. In the dream, I was 16 years old. I was always 16 in the dream. I would wake up thinking, my mom is going to die when I'm 16. And that's exactly what happened. Whatever that strange prophetic ability was, I don't know, but for whatever reason, I predicted exactly what would happen long before it ever did. All of this is to say that I do believe that some of us are more in tune with other frequencies than others. If we look at reality as a series of planes, or radio channels as I like to call them, some of us just have the ability to move the antennae more. I do think I'm one of those people. I hope you enjoyed these stories and snippets of my weird experiences with death, omens and minor clairvoyance. Lastly, if you or a loved one is struggling with suicidal ideation, pursue help as soon as possible. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline for the US is 800-273-8255. I keep the number saved on my phone in case of emergencies and suggest that others do the same. That is actually a really good point and probably really good practice for people in general to have those numbers saved in their phone because you just never know when you or somebody close to you might be in dire straits. I will leave the link to lists of suicide prevention hotlines for various countries all over the world in the description of this episode should anyone feel the need to use it but also should you feel the need to save it in your phone because I just do think that is a really good point. Sylvie what you had to go through sounds absolutely horrendous and I'm so sorry you had to go through it. I'm not going to labour the point on this one but I am very aware there are lots of listeners who will be able to resonate with your feelings around losing somebody to suicide And I love that your mum's sign is rabbits, is little bunnies. What a nice sign. And then you know, you know, when things are going shit, when things are rough and you see a rabbit, you think, oh, okay, she is there. She's looking out for me. I'm going to be okay. And that is so powerful. I think as well that prophetic dreams are crazy. Like they're really crazy. And so many people seem to have them. I wonder how many people have them and don't even realise they've had them because the thing, so they have a dream like earlier in life and then years later the thing happens. Because it might not necessarily be a recurring dream, you know, it might just be a dream that you have once. I also find it mad when people are able to figure out when somebody is pregnant. And strain number two comes from Kerry. This happened to me around two and a half years ago. It was about 9pm and I had worked the next day. I was pretty tired so I decided to go to bed. It had been a warmish day but the night got a bit chilly. I live in a downstairs flat. I got us into bed, me and my two dogs, nothing out of the ordinary. I put my head on my pillow. Then, without warning, my overnight bag that I use for nights away, that kind of thing, fell off the drawers and was dragged along the floor for about two seconds. Now, I know the difference between something falling off something and something being dragged. It was dragged. It was then that I started to smell cigarette smoke. I don't smoke, and I don't think my dogs do. As I mentioned, the night was pretty cool, so I didn't have any windows open. So it couldn't have been anyone walking past. I'm quite far from the footpath anyway. It was very strong. I got up and picked up my bag. I put it back on the drawers, not really thinking too much of it. I then went to the toilet. No smoke smell in the hallway or my bathroom, but as soon as I stepped foot into my bedroom, there it was again. My dogs were a bit restless. They are staffy, so I didn't think this was too unusual. 
The atmosphere in my room I can only describe as heavy. It felt really strange. I felt slightly on edge. I decided to take a deep breath and turn over onto my right side. I got snuggled in. And it was then that I felt three very quick, very real taps on my left-hand side just above my waist. And no, my dogs are both laying at my feet. I was getting pretty tired now, and I'm not going to lie, it pissed me off. I said very firmly, I am tired, that is enough, please leave me alone. That must have worked, as the atmosphere faded back to normal and so did the smell of smoke. I went to sleep and nothing more happened. I got up the next day and headed to my kitchen to make myself my juice for work. My washer drawer was open. You know the bit where you pop your fabric conditioner, that kind of thing. Not weird. Until I tell you that I didn't use my washer the day before. It's not on a slant and hasn't randomly opened since. I don't know what this was or is. I still get the smell of smoke sometimes, but the feeling now seems to be really relaxed and peaceful. I really hope this was the ghost of a poor man who'd gotten murdered in the upstairs flat and he was feeling cheeky. But I have lost my mum, my dad and my nan. So if it was, why haven't I seen or felt them? If one can come back and mess around and do weird shit, why can't my loved ones? I think all of the ideas and knowledge around the paranormal is so inexplicable that there isn't really any point in questioning why... One thing can happen, but another thing can't, because we're never going to be able to give a satisfactory answer. And I've seen people who've like spent their whole lives looking for signs from loved ones who have gone or visiting psychics to try and get information about loved ones who have gone. And I've seen it become really all consuming for people. This constant search for a sign from loved ones who have passed. So I just would sort of think if it's the man that was murdered upstairs, then potentially he's just tied to that place and trying to get your attention it also like you said doesn't sound like anything sinister which is always a good thing so it sounds like it's a pretty comfortable feeling now that it's not an oppressive atmosphere although granted I wouldn't find little taps on my waist in the middle of the night comforting to be perfectly honest I'd find that a bit difficult the smell of cigarette smoke seems to be a really common one in hauntings as well and I wonder if it's because it's such a recognizable smell Like it's not really a smell that you'd get confused with anything else or it's not really a smell that you dismiss, particularly if you're not a smoker. And obviously, like you said, if your dogs are not smokers. So I wonder if it's a real attention seeking thing, the cigarette smoke. And story number three comes from Stephen. When my daughter Abby was approximately two years old or slightly younger, she had an imaginary friend by the name of Lucy. She would always be chatting to her in the house, in the car, anywhere and everywhere. I used to participate in pretend tea parties with Abby, Lucy and a few teddy bears. One evening I was putting my daughter to bed, after reading her a bedtime story as was our nightly ritual. I sat on the end of Abby's bed and asked her to describe Lucy. I was expecting some sort of Disney princess or Barbie doll description. Her reply to my question was, Lucy is a teenager and she has messy hair, a short skirt with ripped stockings and she drowned and her mummy and daddy really miss her. Well, that was a surprise. Shortly after this, Lucy was not heard of again. I told my daughter about it when she was around 16. She doesn't recall, but says that it sounds very freaky. Yeah, that is very freaky. Like, if you're talking to a kid about imaginary friends, 
you're going to imagine that it's something they're seeing on TV, like, you know, Paw Patrol, an animal, a princess, whatever. An emo teenager, specifically a drowned emo teenager, is not what I would be thinking of if my kid had an imaginary friend. If my kid then started listening to My Chemical Romance and Slamming Doors, I'd be like, right, imaginary friend, you've got to go. This can wait until their teenage years, okay? And story number four comes from Mysterious Morality. What I'm about to tell you is something that I still have not come to understand. For context, my boyfriend and I had a weird period where we could feel each other's pain without being told about it. And this story starts with a dream. In this dream, I was on a cruise ship, one similar to the Titanic. I was with my mother and my younger sibling. I remember seeing my boyfriend on the ship as I was wandering around. I can't remember most of what I had seen, but one path led to another and I ended up in an old washroom. Oddly, the only thing in this washroom was a few sinks along a white wall. The walls looked old, with stained lines of water coming down from the ceiling. When I touched the sink, I had this feeling that everything was about to break and fall apart. I hurried out of the washroom and passed a room with men talking about how the ship was too old, and how it wasn't expected to hold its integrity for the whole trip. I was very confused why they would take us out on a worn-down ship. After hearing what they had said, I panicked and found my mom telling her we needed to get off the ship immediately. We stole one of the small boats on the side of the ship and got onto the water as we started to hear an announcement asking all passengers to remain calm. Right after that there was a loud bending and shifting that could be heard within the ship, followed by a cracking sound that hurt my ears to hear. It was the equivalent to nails on chalkboard but much louder. The water surrounding the ship made a wave that hit our boat, sending all of us off our feet and onto our backs. As the boat balanced out, I'd gotten a message from my boyfriend. He told me he was on board and wasn't going to make it. He then sent me a video of him. He was maybe on the second or third floor down from the deck in a hallway-type area, about four or five metres wide. From what I could see, the wall had fallen apart, and one of the pieces punctured his shoulder. He was stuck. He had scrapes on his neck and his right wrist. He sent me more and more videos. I could see the water rising to his ankle and halfway up his leg slowly. At this point, the scrapes he had had blood dripping down into the water and I watched as he would switch from staring blankly and being in shock to looking frightened and struggling as he tried to get his shoulder out. The wall his shoulder was caught in was starting to shift a bit more as a whitish dust spewed from the cracks. He coughed and sputtered as he tried to breathe. This whole time I was able to feel his pain, and I knew he was having trouble speaking. But from the look he gave me, he was trying to tell me he was going to be okay. Then, as the last video sent, I opened to see him scream as the wall collapsed entirely. I woke up from the dream in tears. I'd never seen him cry before in any dream or even in real life, but it left me messed up. After collecting myself, I texted him about what happened just to end up in tears again. After I finished telling him everything, he assured me that he was okay, but mentioned that he had woken up in the middle of the night unable to breathe for a few minutes. Like in the dream, he had pain in his neck and wrist and was coughing and spluttering. I don't know if what happened to him was because of the dream or if the dream I had was because of what was happening to him. Either way, it left us shaken up and we've decided there'll be no cruise ship type vacations in the future. I always say it. 
I think that people who have a deep connection, the connection can be deeper than we realise, you know? Whether it's knowing when someone's in trouble, knowing when someone's in pain, sharing dreams, sharing feelings, whatever it is. I think people with deep connections, I think weird things happen. And story number five comes from Andrea and Nico the cat. Once upon a time, 30 years ago, I left my husband to become a single parent. Some friends helped me move during the day while my ex-husband was at work. It was all very hasty given that I had had a baby. During the move, I lost something very precious to my family. It was a butterfly collection in a wooden display case made by my granddad during the Second World War. Over the years, I've searched for it in charity shops, antique shops and then online. It didn't ever appear, despite numerous searches over the years. This year, I was upset because of finding life difficult and being a bit unwell. And I was determined to allow myself to relax, so I meditated. While trying to empty my thoughts, I kept thinking of the butterfly collection. So I asked the universe or my granddad to show it to me. Intrigued by these thoughts, I later searched online and for the first time it appeared. Flabbergasted. It was on sale in an antiques auction. When I inquired about it, I found out it had already been sold and was on its way to the USA. I realised then that I shouldn't have asked for it to be shown to me, but for it to be returned to me. Lesson learned about asking spirits for something. Another incident that happened some years ago was during a work event, staying over at a fancy hotel in the countryside. When I checked in, I saw that my room was very fancy, but the walls were thin, and I could hear the person in the next room next to me on the phone and listening to music. We all had a good work event and had dinner and then retired to our rooms. I was tired because it was an intense day of team building activities and there was more to come the next day. The bed was sumptuous and I fell asleep in no time. Similar to you, Emma, I have a phobia of vomiting. I can't even use the emoji here because even that sends fear through me. If anyone is sick or I see vomiting on TV, then I will be left shaking and irrationally terrified. That night, I woke up to a vision of the green man. You know the one, the spirit of the forests made of wood and leaves. His face was right in front of me and he said, Don't be frightened. And he wrapped his leafy body around me. Strangely, I wasn't frightened. I felt warm and safe and could hear only the sound of a breeze through the leaves and the sounds you might hear in a forest. I woke the next morning having rested well. When I left my room to go to breakfast, the room next to me had no door. It had been broken and sat in the hallway. Strange. I called to my colleague Paul who was in that room to see if he was coming to breakfast. No answer. I found out at breakfast there was all sorts happening overnight. Paul had been vomiting violently and an ambulance was called. They couldn't get the key to his room to work so dismantled it. There was quite a racket going on and lots of other colleagues were woken. Paul was vomiting as he was taken away on a stretcher to hospital. Just the talk of this at breakfast set me into a spin and I was shaking at the thought of it. Then I remembered the green man who had enveloped me and kept me safe overnight so that I didn't have to experience this incident. I was overwhelmed by gratitude and sent my thanks to the green man for taking care of me during what would have undoubtedly been a traumatic night. Paul recovered, by the way, after having a burst stomach ulcer which required surgery. To this day, I have no idea why the green man came to protect me that night, but I am extremely grateful and have a lifelong love of nature and the outdoors. 
I went to see a psychic lady many years ago and she wrote down some things on a piece of paper which didn't mean a lot to me at the time. About a decade later when I was moving house I found the paper. It had the names of my second and third children, Tom and Beth. At the time I saw the psychic I hadn't even met their dad. There weren't many things written on it so it's not like there was a whole list of names and that was just two of them. They were the only names. Also, we didn't think of our children's names before they were born. It just kind of happened on the labour ward in conversation with the midwives. Tom came out because we said we wanted a traditional name, like all the engines on Thomas the Tank Engine. Other things the psychic predicted were a court case in May, which was a major turning point in my life. The court case happened maybe 20 years after the words were written. She also said that I would be fortunate in life. So now I always remind myself to appreciate the eventful life that I've had. She also said my granddad is watching over me, so it brings all three stories together that my granddad helped me find the butterfly collection, appeared as the green man to hold me safe, and reminds me that I am fortunate to have a loving family who care for each other. Those were three very lovely stories. I hope that you found some comfort in the butterfly collection being sent to somebody who really wanted it. I think that if somebody's going to be buying it at auction, it means that they really wanted to have it. So that makes me think that they'd they'd look after it. I know it's not the same as actually physically having the butterfly collection and having it with you, but maybe it brings some small solace. I also need a green man in my life to protect me from when people are going to be vomiting around me. Although I find the green man (laughs) quite scary since I watched the film Men. So maybe don't, maybe not as the green man, maybe as something else. And I've had a very similar strange experience with a psychic who wrote loads of things down that I just thought were nonsense at the time. And then years later, I found the piece of paper and lots, I mean, pretty much everything she'd written down had actually happened. None of which I was planning for or had anticipated. Very strange. Thank you so much for listening to today's mini episode. Thank you to Kerry, Stephen, Sylvie, Mysterious Morality and Andrea and Nico for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from March the 13th, 2022. If you would like to know anything about Real Life Ghost Stories, you can check out reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. If you are wildly desperate for more content, you can sign up to patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content and every main and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note, I shall see you next time. <laughs>